0: to another exciting episode of fiddly things great to see you Joe. you too Katrina lovely to see you darling today's episode is about sales so from a fiddly things perspective um, you're probably really good at getting out there pressing the flesh organizing lots of meetings and seeing everybody and um, doing all that side of it but when it gets a little bit fiddly is when you've got to look at your sales processes. And so we did an episode on database um, before. So you might, if you've missed that, you might want to go back and have a little look at how serious we take our database stuff. Um, But from a sales perspective, you've really got to find a way of making your sales process replicatable and teachable. And making sure that um, you've worked out your system, and when it stops working, you're able to reinvent yourselves and try a different tactic and test and test that out and see if that works better. But never just rest on your laurels and assume that sales um, the way you did it 20 years ago is going to be the same way you do your sales process um, these days. In fact, about 20 years ago, I wrote a book called Sex Sells and it was looking at the sales process and overlaying the sales process with human relationships and how we meet and date and get married and have long term relationships and all that sort of stuff. So it's just a little bit of fun. Um, because I love sales so much and I love sales process so much that I thought I'd write a little book about sales process. And, um, you know, if you want a copy of that, let me know. I'm more than happy to send it over. Um, but anywho, sales process, what I want you to do as a bit of homework is to have a look at where does it start, you know, from your marketing um, process, where does it start to become sales process? And so people... Who hate sales call it marketing (laughs) and (laughs) who um, are in marketing think that you know they are they are you know doing everything to help the salespeople and in a way if you wanted to be puristic about it marketing is just pre-sale anything prior to this to sales um, to a sale happening That's all sort of marketing and then once it becomes um, an order, um, then then it becomes a sale and then can you get them to repeat the sale? Can you get them to buy more? Can you get them to buy something else? Um, And can you get them to return? That's kind of what we want to do in sales. Sales is not about necessarily bringing in warm leads for sales to convert. Um, but you know, sales have other converters and that's why salespeople are revered in business because pretty much without sales, you've got nothing. <laughs> and that's so, right. There's no business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the accounting people think they're important, but it's the salespeople who are closing sales to pay those wages. And it's the salespeople that are closing the sales to pay the marketing people. And everything that's revenue, real live revenue, is sales. Um, And that's where it sits. But the whole business needs to be geared towards supporting sales and making it easier to make sales. You know, that's kind of where we're at with it. So what I do as a sales consultant is I'll come in, look at what you're doing, Find all the holes and find out where you're missing opportunities, where you might not be um, closing easily and effortlessly, um, what's going on there. And uh, just to make sure that what you are doing is modern and workable today. Because 20 years ago, things were very, very different. These days, we have very sophisticated sales systems, like, for example, the Rolls-Royce. It's very complicated. so not great for small business, but... The Rolls Royce of sales is Salesforce. Um, They are a very good database, um, CRM type system that helps salespeople do better. And the beauty of Salesforce, it was built for big business, but what they have done is they've given small business because they realised they were missing revenue and they've created a little small business entry-level product. So if you are really serious about sales, and really having a good, powerful sales process system to back you up, then um, Salesforce is something to look at. But you don't really need that. Let's look at what you are currently using as your CRM and just make sure you're using all the sales features, not just all the marketing features. And sales features are things like, being able to schedule a callback time. And so what should really be happening when you open your computer at the beginning of the day, your CRM should say, here are the five people you need to call today. These are your follow ups. Um, and so what happens in a sales system, Is You are calling people you're meeting with people you're sending information out to people and all that's recorded So in a good sales system, I can open up that clients um, Profile and I can see their name all their details. I can see what they've bought in the in the past I can see that I sent that email the other day. I can see that I called them in March I can see that I'm coming up for a, a due Call in April, um, and I can see that um, I've pitched for three pieces of business and I haven't won any of them. So, there's a lot of information in a sales um, system that you kind of want to have. And if you don't have a sophisticated system like that, you're pretty much running your business blind. So, what will happen when you're running your business blind is you might call somebody that you called last week and they say, I know you called me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and that would be very embarrassing instead you yeah. want to know that um, in a sophisticated system you might um you know um search for me you might say katrina Freel, and in your sophisticated system up will come let's say three katrina Freels, and you'll look through them and you'll know and ask the computer to combine those three people because you don't want three people you want the one person to be all contained within the same file Um, so duplicate files are a problem if you don't have a system um, you can be adding data but it's data that you already have you want a sophisticated system to say actually Katrina's already on your database do you want to delete this one or this one or do you want me to merge them so look there's so much sexy stuff that a system will give you but the main reason you would have a system and use your CRM from a sales perspective, properly, shit in, shit out, remember? My sophisticated name is that you really just want to be travelling with your eyes wide open. So I'd be able to say as the business owner, I'd be able to ask my CRM, how many calls were made this week? And I can see on my dashboard that my three salespeople all called 150 people each And I could look at the benchmark of what our goal was and see are we over budget on that trigger or are we under budget on that trigger or are we tracking to what we expected? And if there's a dip, I'm able to say, okay, guys, look, you know, most weeks we do 150 calls um, between the three of us. Um, I noticed there was a dip last week. You know just talk me through what you think might be um, going on there and they'll be able to say oh well Monday was the public holiday and we go "Ah, right. there's a reason so there's no problem yeah. or we might say oh Katrina was off sick on Tuesday so we've got a bit of a dip there um, mm. and we can start to see the effect of different things on different parts of the business and that way we can manage if you can't measure it you can't manage it so mm. The thing about sales, if you aren't from a sales background and you're running a sales team but you're not from a sales background, they can pull the wool over your eyes really easily without a system because the thing about salespeople is they are naturally optimistic. So the the thing about being naturally optimistic is they think they've got the deal in the bag and yet they haven't closed the sale, not properly anyway. So they'll say yes 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 I had five meetings all five are going to buy but in reality only four will buy and one will be very delayed and won't happen till next year or only three will buy because we didn't rate the sales so what we do in a sales system is we actually say hundred percent is a full sale but when we come back from our first meeting we might say there's a 30% chance so we might rate it as a 30% and we can see that we've only had one meeting so that's probably appropriate and then when we do the second follow-up meeting and it all went quite well and we were able to give them more information we take that sale to a 50% chance and then we put it in the diary that we're going to follow them up in two months because that's their time frame and so when we follow them up in two, in two months, they're still hot to trot. They're still working it out internally. And so they say, no, no, we're still good to go. We change it to 75%. But see how we're not saying it's 100%. It's not 100% until you've got the money in the bank, to be honest. A sale is not a sale until it's paid for. Every, everything up till that point, could it could change. And so, with salespeople being really optimistic, just naturally, they tend to bullshit to themselves, <laughs> but also to their managers, and also to the. Business. And so, with a sales system, you're really able to get them to um, make some decisions about where it really sits, and give them some tools so that we can say, okay, we've got ten, 10 sales, ten potential sales in the system. And of those, 60% of them are at 30% and 20% of them are at 75%. So this week, guys, let's focus on the 75%ers and let's get those closed, you know? So So a bit more
1: accountability through the systems, isn't it? Yeah,
0: because (laughs) salespeople, um, not just being optimistic, but salespeople think that sales is magical, (laughs) magical. And it's an art form and yes it absolutely is an art form and certain people are better at it than others but really what businesses are trying to do is make sales a science they don't want it to be an art form because while it's an art form it's reliant on what we call personality centric sales mm. that means that while that guy is in the business you are safe and sales come in once that guy leaves and goes to your competitor you're no longer <laughs> safe and you now can't replicate and get sales so if you want to build a business based on personality centric sales then don't have a system let them bamboozle you week after week after week um and if you are into replicatable sales that aren't really reliant on the person they're reliant on the system and on the process um, then you're able to replicate that no matter who's in the chair does that make sense yeah
1: Yeah. and Um, sales manual where you can train people to um, be be able to sell um, exactly how you would like them to sell rather than the individual that excels at doing it
0: yeah and while you will always have your high performers you always want those people the thing about high performers is they're very hard to manage and they do have options so they tend to stay a couple of years and move on because they've got new horizons new challenges they they're interested in variety and they love to go places and do different things but what you really want to do is not build your business on a house of cards you want to build it on something that you can teach as joe was saying about having a really good system that that works and a system that works is something where At first I can follow a script and if I do these ten things in that order then I'm very likely to get the sale very likely and then all I have to do is just get better at that system and then eventually after about 90 days in the chair you don't need the scripts anymore you know the system and you can start to add your personality and add your magic and add your artfulness to it and by then you should be really being able to close the high, at a higher ratio instead of mm. one in five. You, as an artful person, you might be able to close t- two or three out of five. Um, but it doesn't matter. You, you want to be able to close that one in five regardless if you follow the system. Yeah, definitely. And that's what sales is all about. It, it, now that digital the digital landscape has changed, <laughs> salespeople have nowhere to hide. Everything <laughs> is, tra- is transparent now and you just follow the numbers and the numbers never lie. The numbers are there um, except if they lie about putting in the numbers and they put shit in, you'll get shit out. Sure. But <laughs> yeah. there's, there's checks and balances there anyway. I mean you can't, all you need to do is just do some, um, just do some spot checks So you Mm. might bring up somebody that they said they called or they said (laughs) they were meeting with and you just ring them up and you just go, hi, I'm just checking in. Just wanted to see how that meeting went and they'll go, what meeting? And then, you know, you've got a problem. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think salespeople need to know they are being watched. If they think they've got a free-for-all and they're not being watched and they're Uh, there's no checks and balances Um, weird things start to happen and I've seen that so many times in sales teams where weird things are happening and for me I was always quite a hard worker and I would do my numbers and that's how I got my results I was just on the phone all the time and I was having meetings all the time and I was building my own systems, even in businesses where they had no system, I'd just create one. And if they didn't have a spreadsheet, I'd create one Um, because I love the numbers. I knew that the numbers, if you put in the numbers, you, 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 you can have a chance of getting the result. Whereas a lot of people just were trying to Um, get paid without doing the work and it just never works. You need this consistency in sales. Sales is consistency, really being um, on the phones, having the meetings. Um, The thing I'd like to say about sales is that I think sales is the wrong word. I would like to change the word sales rep, account manager, or sales manager or salesperson to educator. What I'd like salespeople to do is start to think of themselves as really good educators because the customer or the prospect does not know what you know about that thing. And so, your job is just to educate, educate, educate them about how they can apply that product, how they could use that service, how that service would work for them. Here's an example of that. Du-du-du-du-du. Educate, educate, educate. And then, if you've educated really well, then you'll get the sale. But yeah. if you're flogging stuff, flogging 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 sales 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 it's a very different energy than this yes. I'm here to educate 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 so that's my philosophy around sales is start to think differently about it forget sales focus on educating your market um, because they don't know you're the expert you have to educate them that's your job as yes. a person or as a business owner and, yeah, that's my view, is, is, is eradicate sales because sales has got a very, very bad name. Nobody likes to be sold to, but everyone
1: loves to be educated about how they could use something. Yes. That's a great perspective, Katrina, because if someone's coming at you full-on pushy sales, defences will go straight up. Mm-hmm. You will be stepping back going, okay, okay, yeah, I can see your point, but Yes. If it's pushy, it's straightaway defences, but if you're educating, you're encouraging the person to see it from the perspective that it best works for them. The product, this particular product or service would work for you because, and you've educated them on how it would. And then the person's like, wow, okay, that does work for me. They're then making the decision and they feel like they're buying from you rather than you pushing it upon them. Very different perspective.
0: Very very different and look, the 80s is over. I mean it's now what we value is authenticity yes being real and if you need to say no to a client no you shouldn't use it like that or no um, you're much better off doing like using it like this or applying it like that or putting it here or putting it there you're much better off taking a leadership role in the process because People love an expert. They love an expert that knows what they're talking about. I don't want to talk to a sales rep that just started last week, that (laughs) that I know more about the product than they do. Nothing worse. Just make sure that you're sending your best and that the people that are selling for you and are educating your market actually are able to really Talk about your product and service properly. And that's why small business is now so popular because what you're getting with small business is quite often the owner, the expert is the sales process, is, is the salesperson. And so there's nothing better than sitting down with somebody that's your equal, that knows what they're talking about, that can move the goalposts for you. My, my, my idea is that. The customer does not know best. In fact, the customer probably doesn't know anything about it, (laughs) very likely. So when you come in and you really talk as a leader and you talk as an expert in your field of excellence, people sit back and they love it and you know you're doing it when they say something like, this is what I like to hear, I never thought of it like that. When I get that result, I know I am in the educator mode I'm in the I'm a leader in this room about this thing and that's what you want people want to respect you for knowing more than they do about that thing remember they have their own expertise they have their own they are an expert
1: in their own field of excellence it's just not in yours that's right Um, (laughs) and if they don't know they, they need to know and they want to know so Brilliant. Educate them is the best thing you can do. Brilliant. Then they make an informed purchase rather than um, a stab at it or a guess or, or, or grappling to purchase the item that they think they might want. But an informed decision is always the better one.
0: Absolutely. So, for example, I just renewed my lease on my big printer. So I've got this big industrial printer because I print so many workbooks and whatnot for my training business. And yeah. it ran out of lease. And I said to the guy, look, um, uh, can you just sort it out? I just want to know, you know, uh, you know, w- what's the next step? What shall I do? And he went into this um oh, it was quite annoying. It it it's like it's like, um, what do you want, Katrina? And I'm like well, I don't know what I want. Like, what can I have? Like, what's out there? Do I save money? Do I spend more money? What? What? So
1: educate me.
0: <laughs> educate me exactly. So, I, I get quite cross with salespeople who don't take me by the hand and walk yeah. down the path. Um, if you take a permiss- if you take a submissive role in the sales process, then I'm going to eat you alive. Mm. Um, and I really want to go elsewhere. It really, really, really peeves me off. So mm. what we want is if I was selling printers, then I would be saying, okay, Joe, here's the thing. We've just had COVID. Let me guess, you'd like to make some savings. Yes, mm. I would.
1: Exactly. Okay,
0: great. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to keep your, you're going to keep your printer and we're going to drop the lease down by half and we're just going to go month to month now so we're going to pull you out of the lease cuz essentially you've paid for that yeah and so um what do you think of that it's going to be fantastic $69 a month instead of $120 a month
1: yeah
0: you've got me exactly now you would not know that that option existed there's no way mm. you did not know i just assumed that I'd just get another printer, go into another 5-year lease, similar pricing, if not a little bit more expensive because things always go. Can you yep. see what our our thought because remember I am not in printers. I am not thinking about printers day in and day out. <laughs> I'm not in the industry. I don't know about leases. I don't know about life the life of a bloody printer. I don't give a shit. I need the industry expert to tell me what I don't know and what, based on my past behaviour, what he recommends or she recommends. Can you see how a lot of people are really submissive and try to be as collaborative and... And, and all these bullshit words that people use for sales these days when really all we want you to do is tell us what you recommend. Just tell me what yes. you to do. What would
1: you do if you were in my situation? Tell me what to do. Yeah, and I say that to people sometimes. If it was you, what would you do in this particular situation? Which, which choice great. would you have?
0: Absolutely. I always say that to salespeople. I always say, what would you do? Which one would you buy if it was you or your daughter? Yeah. Yeah. You soon get down to the brass tacks about what is good value, what is the the right next step. And all business people want to save money. So that printing guy should automatically know that a small business, solopreneur person is going to want to save a few bucks. Yes. And to build rapport with me. And it builds trust with me when you come in with that option straight up. But what annoyed me is that option I had to find by working it out through the system myself and I had to push him for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't know to push him for that, I just knew maybe, well, what would happen if I kept the machine? I just sort of knew intuitively to ask that question. But I'm not going to say that. Yeah. They, weren't go- they were going to offer me a new machine, which was actually the same machine, but just a, the, the new, just the, a new one would be delivered and the old one taken away and flogged oh, off gosh. to somebody else as a refurbishment. Well, I said, mm. can't I have the refurbishment like give that one to me I'll keep mm. it and then I don't have the um, the um, upheaval of having somebody come and take my big machine and bring in another big machine. The, the machine just stays put. So from a hassle factor, I loved yeah. it. From a price yeah. factor, I loved it. But where they lost me was not offering it as an option proactively. They kind of yeah. almost hid it until I uncovered it.
1: Yeah, and that's laziness, isn't it, in sales, really? Well, I think it's, it's- sneaky. Yeah, it's not looking at the customer and where they sit in the scheme of things at the moment and offering them something that would be easy for you, as you've just pointed out, cost-efficient and works well for them. They don't have to offer it then off to someone else as a refurb. It's already, you know, you know it's a refurb, so to speak. Um, It's just laziness and and their point. I think it's
0: worse than laziness. I think they're relying on our naivety. So they actually Mm. don't want you to be an expert in printing Print, lease, print, print machine leasing, and yeah. nor would I ever be. But I tell you what, I'm savvy, and guess what? I tell all my friends and all my clients what to do.
1: Yeah, and good. <laughs> because,
0: because they um, didn't offer that up as a given, now I know to uh, tell my clients that always ask for a refurbished one, and yeah. it should be around $60 a month. Whereas before yeah. I was recommending the five-year lease and getting my clients to spend 120 a month.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and now I've learnt myself how to educate my family. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> and they were not the source of that education. I was yeah. the source of that education. So they lost a trick with building mm. trust. So it's lost trust with me, which means yes. I'm not, I'm not going to be loyal. I won't be yeah. loyal.
1: Um, because you've lost trust with me. So good good experience in learning, you know, and sharing with people this, this scenario because it is very important in sales. There's a lot of people out there selling a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it's very important to honour the person that you're dealing with, uh, your client, and be respectful, but educate them and give them a, a chance to make an informed decision. Yeah. Definitely. Be,
0: be honest. That's what authenticity mm. is all about now is we want to build... Yes. We want to have integrity we want to be known for having integrity we want to be authentic we say it how it is being authentic is being saying it how it is not no bullshit Mm -hmm. Um, and so these are the things that are respected in sales today if you are anything other than got integrity with authenticity then you are dead in the water and nobody wants to deal with you so, yeah, that that's that's the real focus these days. So let's have a look at your sales process. Let's see, mm-hmm. it is, is it up-to-date, modern approach? And if it's not, then let's do some training in there through Fiddly Things and get the sales process down pat. Let's look at all your scripts. Let's look at your CRM. Let's look at all your tools and your systems and what you're using to make sure that your sales process is as, easy as possible and all the science of your sales is sorted and replicatable and then you can start to bring in the magic and the art of yes. sales um yeah. and that's when it gets really exciting and that's when you start to perform at a high level mm. but um yeah that's sort of my take on sales so i just think it's important to have a whole episode on sales and really give our philosophy around it because it's a little bit different from what you'll hear
1: most people talk about yeah and it's your forte katrina so you're very experienced in it you have the knowledge and you have the experience so it's really valuable to be able to share that with people because again you're the expert they're not and they look for that and you know whenever that someone says i've got a business what do i do how do i get my sales it's great that you can give that guidance um, because it's, it's very valuable.
0: Yeah, and then um, I suppose we can sort of tap, tap, touch on is your business set up for telephone sales? And in yeah. the virtual world, we're offering now the opportunity to have um, a sales team virtual and freelancing so that you're only paying for results, you're not paying for. Um, anything extra and there's no wastage so if you want to talk to us at fiddly things about a sales team that's on the phone um then do so because that's really where um you can start to leverage your time because we're all about getting you out of overwhelm and saving your time and money you know that about Fiddly. definitely now yeah. So um, with a sales team and a remote sales team, you can actually shorten people's hours so that they're only doing maybe four hours, which means they're fresh. And so we can set you up with a team of one, two, three, four, or we could build that slowly over time so that we're testing on one, the system. And then when that's tickety-boo, we can add a second person and a third person and a fourth person and start to build a culture of remote workers that are working on the phones. Just four hours a day, you could get a lot of mums um, who love part-time work, young mums who are fresh, who have got a great attitude, who are terrific on the phone. They can earn a decent wage, a decent um, hourly rate. And you're only paying for the hours they're picking up the phone and in in tele sales is different from tele marketing is different from tele reception you know a remote reception so just bear that in mind that you could maybe build a team that are on the phone that are cross um uh cross trained to do all three roles so yeah. just to keep them fresh we could train them as our receptionist and then we could train them as our so, uh, telemarketing and then we could train them as our tele sales and then they could all roster on and off depending on what they love what they like what they're in the mood for um, or some might just say I want to stick with this one thing and just go for, become a master at it so it doesn't yeah. matter we'd have options for a remote team so that could be fun to work on a project like that that could be really fun and I love those sort of projects because I'll get involved at the recruitment phase I'd get involved at the training or the induction training phase. And then I would get um, involved at the sales training stage and really build that process and design all your scripts and design all your action items and your emails and your
1: attachments and make sure all that's integrated into your sales database. You can really target exactly what you want and just put it together. There's none of this, the looseness of people with long hours, tired, fresh in the morning, tired as the day unwinds. Like you said, are you doing uh, people in four-hour blocks that want to be there, they're fresh, they're excited, and that reflects when they speak to people.
0: Yeah. And, look, I know there is a big push these days to take these sort of things um, overseas, but I do not recommend it for uh sales and any telephone work whatsoever mm. I believe in um, Australians for Australians, and making sure that um, Australian businesses are being dealt with by an Australian who knows the market, who knows the lingo, who knows how to be friendly and how not to be—you know—how not to go too far, um, knows all the nuances, and can just be yes. really confident about dealing with the market that they've been born and bred into. Um, I, I get very, very frustrated with the likes of. Telstra, nobody is here in Australia anymore. Everything is outsourced. And their culture and their understanding of, you know, English and whatever else is just detrimental to their brand. Oh, my God. They're polite. I give them that. The Filipino um, culture and the way they deal with you is very polite that it actually, when you look at the nuance, actually, they're over polite, which actually draws out frustration. Have you noticed that? Yes, and you've
1: also got issues with laws and security as well Mm. within Mm. the country, when you're hiring people within the country, they're within the guidelines of the laws of our country Mm. and the security that goes around how we operate business within our country. And these are very important points if you're looking to send work off-country
0: yeah totally like the security side of it is a whole other discussion in fact joe put it down on our list we need to talk about safety in an episode and what we'll do is we'll bring in ingrid bayer from the va institute and we can have a three-way conversation about the difference between an australian virtual assistant um support mechanisms for you Versus offshoring and yes offshore VAs. There is a role for them here. No doubt. No question I I use people from all over the world all the time in my business so it's not about that but when it comes to telephone work, I absolutely insist that you use people from the country that Mm they um, belong to because you will Build your brand rather than tearing your brand down. Um, I'm very cross with Telstra. Very cross. I I can't stand it. People, even the airlines as well. So Virgin, uh, Jetstar. It's all overseas now. All of yep. it. And they they uh, look. The main the main irritant is actually they're not um, they're too polite. They're absolutely too polite, so they'll say, "Ma'am, can I? Can you give me two minutes to go and sort that out? Is that okay, ma'am?" And I'll go, "Yes." And they'll go, "Thank you, ma'am. I'm just going to go for three minutes now, and I'll be back. Is that still okay, ma'am?" And I'm like, "Just go already, for heaven's sake! Like, so stop asking permission to sort out my problem that I need sorted out." Now, this—it's not authentic. It's—it's
1: not, uh, it's not. It's just not authentic. It's—it's uh,
0: it, customer service, but it's actually really irritating. So, yeah. um with an Australian, you won't get that. As an Australian person on the phone will just say. Uh, give me a minute, Joe. I'll be right back. I'll just go and sort that out for you. And then yeah. I won't ask to go. I'm just going to go and do it yeah. and come back. So, hi, Joe. Sorry I kept you. A couple of minutes. I just needed to sort this out. It was quite difficult. Anyway, That's it's all great. sorted. I'll refresh your screen. Are you okay? And you're like, yeah. yeah. Good, gone, you can be more casual, more direct, more authoritative, like you're ringing me as the expert in your problem. So I can act like the expert because I can sort that problem out. The sooner I do that, the better, the happier you are. You just want to get off the phone. You don't want to be on the phone waiting.
1: Oh my God. That's that's the point you've hit there, Katrina. They don't give you the confidence that they're an expert in what they're doing. To fix your problem
0: they don't. they're there to
1: help you in a submissive role rather than uh, an authorita- authoritative role so Absolutely. yeah you don't feel confident that they're going to fix it for you right. <laughs> you really don't and the first
0: thing i do when i get a submissive type apologetic permissive type person which you get pretty much every time yeah. i say to them look I'm a very difficult person can you put me on to your manager <laughs> and um, they get scared straight away they'll get scared and they won't know what to do and they don't know what they've done wrong and the management style over there means they're actually going to get into trouble because the, yeah. manager, the way they manage their staff is fear-based management style and so they're very scared they don't want to be put in a bad position so they're very they're treading very carefully and they're, they're working from a fear, a position yeah. of fear. And I think that's wrong in of itself. So yes. I'm a leadership trainer. I'm a management trainer. And so I know what's going on out the back of that. And I just don't want to support that. I want to support Australians having a crack at helping other businesses. And yes. the VA industry in Australia is what I call the Rolls Royce. And yes, you might have to pay for that. But I tell you what, you, you get it. what you pay for. There's a difference between <laughs> a $4 an hour person that knows nothing that you have to teach step by step by step by step versus somebody saying, I want to um, create a book. Good. I'll lead you through that
1: process. Yeah. Here we go and it might be cheaper but it's going to cost you more in the long run because really it will be reflective in the sales and the customer service it really is
0: totally totally so even yeah. if you're paying $55 an hour in Australia or $75 an hour in Australia if they are an expert in their field of excellence then it, they are worth every cent and what they yeah. will do for your business beyond yeah. what they tell what you tell them to do Yes. Is going to be what you're paying for. If you tell yes. me how to, how you want something done, you don't need me. You need a $4 an hour person to tell. But if you want my strategy mind to take your ideas into the stratosphere, that's what you're paying for. You're not paying mm-hmm. for a $4 an hour person that will not think about the strategy behind what they're doing. They will just do, do, do and deliver god knows what (laughs) sometimes what (laughs) i've received back is extraordinarily bad um so yeah i have always been a big supporter of fiverr and even fiverr has evolved over the last um however long they've been around 10 20 years um even they have gone beyond the five dollar thing because you get what you pay for. When you ask a yes. logo for $5 versus paying a graphic artist with 20 years' experience and creative now, paying them $150 or $250 for your logo, there's a difference.
1: Yes, of That's course there is. massive difference. So anyway. It's like going to a takeout restaurant and ordering a $5 burger and going, okay, that was great, to going to a restaurant, sitting down and having a chef prepare a burger for you with all the accruedments with it and when you go to eat it there's a difference between the $25 burger and the $5 burger you get what you pay for on the run that's great if you just want that but if you want the real meal deal uh, and you want to pay a little bit more for the better service better product and outcome then it's worth it
0: yeah the way we work at Fiddly Things is we, we think of people in three ways. We see that there's three types of clients out there and we want to work with all three. Here are the three. The first client is a done for you client. They just want to pay the price and have it all done, hassle free, don't bother me, you're the experts, you do it, get it done and magically they open up their computer and it's all there. The second type of client is a bit more what I call a blended one. They they want half the stuff just done, get it done, um, don't bother me, sort it out, you're the expert, get on with it. When the other half, the other half of their tasks, we actually um, teach them, we, we'll set up the system so it's improved and then we'll teach them how to do it and then that will save them a whole heap of money because now they can do it. That they've got a better system to work with. So it's kind of like a blend of we do some of it for you, but we also teach you how to do it so that you don't need us anymore on that thing anyway. And then there's the DIY client. These are the ones that say, "Um, I want to save heaps of money. I don't want to pay you guys to do it. No way. But I will pay for you to, you know, teach me how to do it. And so, we're happy to work with all three, um, but the more expensive the premium one is where it's all just done for you, and you can just get on with it. And, you know, what's your time worth? If you're $2.50 an hour, and you're paying us whatever we charge, it should be a saving of time and money. So it should be a double whammy saving. Whereas the, the blended learning one, that they, they should be able to get a 50% discount, you know, by doing a lot of the work themselves. Mm. And then the DIYers, they're the ones that are sort of maybe quite savvy. They just don't know that thing. And so we yes. just teach them that thing and they go, oh, wow, that's amazing. Thank <laughs> you so much. And off they go. But they'll come back when they have their next thing. So mm-hmm. we're cool with e- working with you either way. And if you are price sensitive and you're chasing the saving, just know that Joe and I are exactly the same. We don't wanna pay huge amounts of money, but not a lot of value. We want heaps of value for any dollar we spend. And so, yeah, we're we're the same as you guys. No difference here. We don't wanna pay premium if we don't need premium. Her and I are quite savvy. So quite often we want more of a blended thing, And then on some stuff, Joe and I just DIY it and work it out and it costs us nothing.
1: We're happy to meet you wherever you are, whatever you want to show up. If you said leave it all, we're happy to do it. If you say teach me so I can fish and feed myself, we're happy to teach you. So wherever you are, we're happy to meet you at that space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's it for today. I think that's enough on sales. Um, we look forward to chatting with you about your sales process and if you want that yes. free discovery session with Joe, myself or both of us, um, yes. then we are happy to have those one hour free discovery sessions just to show us um, you know, what you're currently doing and get our minds focused on where your holes might be because we're able to pick these things up in often 15 minutes so anyway we'll see you soon the next chapter the next Mm. episode is going to be on events and promotions and sort of conferencing sort of stuff so hope you tune in see you next time thank you
1: bye Bye.